Welcome into another week of the Valley News Live Sports Overtime Podcast. We weren't able to finish things up in regulation, so we go to overtime, Absolutely. which is everyone's favorite part of the game. Um, Devin Fry, joined by Jack Wallace. We're coming off of week zero. Uh, finally, football season's back, almost in full swing. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we're going to have another week of adding games uh, coming up this week. And then Whole the week lot. after that, the Minnesota teams start playing. So we're slowly gearing up. It's like a tiered start to the football season. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. I appreciate the tiered start. Yeah, it, it helps <laughs> a little bit to get the ball rolling. I shouldn't say slowly, but gradually, maybe a better word. A, but it a, just A nice, easy intro to football. It gets there, than, yeah. Rather than seven games in week zero but um no we were uh we had quite the presence out there for week zero of course i was out at uh what many people had uh their eyes on kindred and central cast starting the year a playoff rematch to Mm -hmm. open up the season uh kindred with a 21 nothing win there really kind of setting the tone uh for starting the season they were just really solid offensively and defensively uh central cast of course uh they they were basically they basically shut Kindred down for the entire second half. It was 14 nothing at halftime. So a really good second half performance by Central Cass. Uh, we'll see where the Squirrel teams continues to uh, grow, evolve. But the Vikings are looking right back up to speed. Uh, Riley Sunram, uh, mm-hmm. defensive line commit to University of Minnesota. He is a presence out there. You see that kid wherever he is. The, the defense, you basically, I mean, you can never get more impressive than a shutout. I get right, you sort right. of, you can't push below zero. Technically can't. Have <laughs> can't do that, but um, which is good for them to do and good for the confidence of the guys. Because, I mean, you had, I mean, at least in what the media rankings have been, number two, number three, which, I mean, mm-hmm. even without those numbers, you can pretty clearly say these are two of the best teams right. that are in the Class A division. So. To see them go head-to-head in such a good game, such an early game, too, to sort of get that out of the way. I mean, I can kind of equate it when you think of these big college football rivalries that will happen early in the year, how much that can differently affect how those teams can do down the stretch. Because now you don't have that looming over you. I think that's a big sort of thing to get off your back for both these teams to sort of go move on to their next games and see what's sort of up next for what they can do, especially in terms of sort of how good a lot of these teams are. And uh Looking at it now, I mean, Kindred goes up to Cavalier next week. That's Central Cass, uh, they host Oaks, who had a crazy win. It was probably one of the closest games <laughs> of the week last week. It, at, at that level, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it was 33-30 final. So um, big games for them, indeed. And, and, you know, Cavalier, we've talked about how they've had success in their few 11-man games. The beginning of last season had that excellent run through nine-man, and then now they came into last week. and. Yeah, they started the, well. <laughs> they started their ele- their newest eleven man run with a win over Park River, thirty four nothing, a shutout Blowout victory shutout. to start yeah. the their eleven man run. There. Speaking of teams making level changes here, you were at uh, and the beautiful, gorgeous, scenic Mayville State campus with the historic Jerome Berg Field. And I'm not being facetious. I went there. I love that place more than some places in my home state. And that's well, not even a lie. It is pretty historic. Mm-hmm. I did see the sign walking in of the 1941 yeah. plaque walking yeah. in. So yeah. it is It is uh, quite historic there. It's cool to see. And uh, I have been around for a baseball game before near, next yeah, that's door. Right. That's so right. I've seen this field. Uh, not in action. Shout though. out to Scott Berry. Yeah, so seeing that was was pretty fun. But, uh, but the game was interesting. HGV sort of came out and really really played well Mayport CG did have some good plays early the right. score line of 25 nothing wasn't very indicative of how the first half played out it it was a lot closer than that but it seemed that every time it was just a little bit more HCV would push a little bit more they would go and then the backbreaker which is in the highlights was the interception yeah and the interception return ended up being I mean I don't know the exact yard count but it could have been at least 60 yards. it got them all the way back in the red zone right from right. a pick that was 
near the other end zone. Believe I mean, it, it or not, that'll flip. that'll change the tone a little bit there, uh, for sure. When you have a massive <laughs> and then when it results in a touchdown immediately, and the only yeah. reason it's twenty five, which yes is a very strange score for football. There was uh, you were very you were perplexed by that when you got it back was to very the weird, and it was uh, it actually was it was nineteen nothing. They missed another two point conversion after scoring six from there, but they they had had a couple of missed uh, missed tries and decided uh, to to go for it. I think it was it was a one point try. It may have been blocked or shorter. Right. Something was weird about it, but it ended up being short to make a 13 nothing, and then from there on. But uh, but either way, still a very successful win for an HCV team that played a pretty solid season last year. Lost their quarterback in Olsen, who and head uh, coach. moved on, and, and, and head, head coach, coach too. Right. So You mentioned when you got back, uh, you were still very impressed by Mayport. You, know, you, you said that they this did. wasn't as much of a, a dominant display as, like you said, 25-0 May uh uh, up here, ACV just appears to be back at that level that we've seen from them historically. They are, they are off week one. Week two, they play at rugby, so quite the road trip. That's yeah, way, yeah, way definitely. up north. Um, we haven't really seen a lot from rugby so far this season. We know they're pretty much on the edge of a lot of uh, coverage for a lot of teams, right, just given how right. remote that rugby is located. But uh, they played Harvey Wells County this week on the road and lost 38-14, so maybe this could be where Mayport kind of starts. Interesting to, game yeah. for Mayport just to see how that competition is, but We'll be looking out for it. Hillsborough Central Valley, though, they get to stay in the same area because, you know, they they played their first game, I believe, in Trail County <laughs> with uh, against yeah. uh, Mayport, and now they get to stay in Trail County at home. They're going to host Lisbon, though. Lisbon, uh, another team that started the year with a win. Lisbon, historically, pretty solid. So we'll see what happens there with uh, Hillsborough Central Valley and Lisbon coming up this week. At the AA level, uh, three of our area teams that were in action all got wins. Uh, Fargo North uh, with a shutout victory over Horace. We knew that North was going to be very solid coming into the year, and Horace is still very, very young. They did not graduate a single senior last season, which makes sense given how brand, brand new a lot of that area and a lot right. of the high school is. And 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 it's, it's a really tough challenge, but again, it's like those games where we're playing these super, super right. high-level competition, yep. and then we go play the rest of the year, and how right. much that can sort of hype you up and get you better. And I exactly. feel like that's a— It sets you up for the year. On a different scale, it right. kind of helps with that, where Horace can face a really, really good team in Fargo North and be like, okay, now we can look forward to it and see the rest of the season. And I'm very intrigued what they do the rest of the year. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of inexperience, but a lot of room to grow through that. Yeah, and we'll see where that goes. Like you said, the school is still very new. Uh, the roster is still very young, so we'll see what happens there. Fargo North came into the season ranked by many as the number one team in the state at that AA level, and so that appears to be about right. Uh, so we'll see how Fargo North continues. And how about our Grand Forks teams? Uh, Red River and Central pulling out victories. Uh, Central dominated Wadford City, a big win for the Knights. And Red River with a last-second rally against a AAA opponent, beating yeah. Williston at 24-20 to there. So uh, Fargo North, Grand Forks, Red River, and Grand Forks Central all starting the year with wins. Um, we had some soccer action coming up uh, this weekend as well. Jack, you were able to check out some of that. Uh, a few of our area teams starting the year 2-0, uh, Cheyenne Soccer mainly, uh, who was very solid last year, had an unfortunate end to the season, which we won't dive into too much. <laughs> but uh, no, they, they were solid last year, and now this year looks like they're picking things right back up there. Yeah, they had a pair of solid wins. They uh, beat Dickinson 3-0 and then beat Bismarck 4-1, uh, to one, Bismarck High Demons. And uh, I was at uh, that game. I was also at the... Fargo North legacy game and North uh, didn't make the playoffs last year. Legacy, I want to say, was the number two seed out of the West in last year's right. playoffs. They had uh, a pretty good run, and so and they looked really good. Um, Cheyenne looked fantastic as well. There are a few really solid players on that team that I, I know we highlighted in our in our highlights and doing all that this over the weekend. Yeah. I can't recall a lot of the names off the top of my head, but it was um, 
it was a very impressive run from a team that obviously had been through a lot on and off the turf last season. And to see them sort of come back in these couple games and just say we're going to hit the ground running and be solid and get out there and do it was it was impressive. And while we weren't able to cover West Fargo, who we all saw win the state title last season, they ended up having a pretty tight win over Bismarck on Friday, 3-2. to two. They did not play Saturday, so I wasn't able to catch them then. But uh, they'll be back this Tuesday up against Fargo Davies. Oh, um, we haven't seen Davies on, um, in action yet. Tuesday night, which that's actually a pretty fun fun game. Looking forward to that. Yeah, Davies has not played a game this season. That's their uh, their opener, and it's on the road. It's at West Fargo. So um, if I remember correctly, Davies hasn't lost a regular season game. I know they didn't last season. It's it been might a while. have gone back to <laughs> the season before that as well. So uh, the only team to hand them a loss is that West Fargo team that pulled off yeah. that ridiculous run in that state championship tournament. So soccer already heating up, football already heating up. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Volleyball starts soon as well. Can't forget about volleyball as well. That starts later this week. Looks like some tournament action going on on August 25th for our Class A squads, specifically in the EDC. Believe it or not, I don't keep tabs on the WDA uh, well, uh, too often. I can't, I can't blame you there, being that far away. <laughs> <laughs> Enough um, things to worry about here. <laughs> speaking of fun things starting this week, college football. Uh, we, believe it or not, are only a few days away from the kickoff of the country's maybe the first game. There might be some other games going on, and like say there's, there might be like a MAC game or something. Um, on Thursday, but no, um, the paint bucket game between Jamestown and Valley City, two former NAI rivals, Jamestown now D3, but I do love that they have that game every year and that there's so much behind it and that it's so competitive. I, of course, sent you out to that last year. Um, it, it was a, always a fun environment, no matter whether you're in Valley City or Jamestown, the fan bases truly get behind those games. And yeah, so. it's neat to kind of go to the other side of it now after being in Jamestown uh, last year. That actually was my first ever live shot with Valley News Live. Which, <laughs> That's fun. Which would also be my first ever live shot for any news. Right, I was going to say. The first spot. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of neat in a way to sort of go back to that and see 40-odd uh, live shots later down the road uh, to be now. And um, We're going to compare and contrast the two that. when you get back. We're gonna, well, we're gonna see what uh, I would hope it's a lot better. <laughs> we'll I would think it would be. <laughs> I'd be a little worried if it wasn't. Well, no, um, and you had a heck of a game to cover last year too. Oh my goodness, yeah, last year's game was unbelievable. Have the the recap up of that. Here is a 24-27 overtime win for the Jimmies, uh, coming back in that game after leading 14 nothing at halftime and a 21 to seven lead at the end of the third, but 14 nothing run for the Vikings in the fourth quarter, forced OT. And then overtime itself was pretty nuts. A 36-yard field goal for Valley City uh, set them up by three points. And then Jamestown, it was a Makai Madian six-yard pass from Cade Torgensen for the touchdown and the win. So pretty unbelievable games. A shame that I missed that. It's the only, <laughs> the only downside of covering and doing all these games is to get back and be on time with it. You usually have to leave by halftime or at the end of the third even right. pushing it. But right. it's, it's unusual for us to actually stay and watch a complete game. And so Unfortunately. It's, um, so, yeah, for this one, where it was sort of this not super close game for a lot of it, and then all of a sudden, all the fireworks at the end. So it's a shame I missed it, but uh, obviously the fans are having a ton of fun. Which is what really matters. Um, and you know, I, um, uh, You're going to want to, just a heads up for you, you're going to want to get to uh, the uh, Lockin Stadium a little bit early this time around. Uh, those Valley City fans, they, they love the tailgate. Uh, so just, <laughs> And the Jamestown fans also love to tailgate. So just be prepared. It's going to be a little bit busy. I had a there. funny side entrance in the stadium in that game, so I missed the tailgates when oh, I was going in. But I Trust <laughs> me, you'll have to walk right by them at Lockin. Um, I've been there 
Plenty of times. Only a few times as a reporter. Uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, football, the only kind of new developments we've seen on the college football front is uh, the Concordia Cobbers. They've kind of hit the halfway point at their camp. We had their media day check-in with them. They got some senior veteran leadership. The, the main focus of that, of course, being head coach uh, Terry Horan. Haran has been there for, I believe, 23 years. They do also have uh, Cooper Mattern returning at quarterback. Um, there's Ty Moser anchoring the defensive side for linebackers. So some good returning faces there that are going to help uh, kind of steer the way for Concordia. Well, looking at new faces, a new face that uh, that we certainly covered plenty last year, Jordan Summers, freshman running back from DGF. Yes. Big-time yep. guy that we've had a few games we covered. Of course, him in the state championship game had one heck of a game despite – one of the wildest endings that we've seen of, and and we saw plenty of unbelievable endings right. at it's US not Bank like Stadium the just one. last season. We've seen too many incredible and this, endings. This there. state, this high school state championship game is right above, and that might have been the wildest. So so he was in that game, and uh, to see him now go over to Concordia and be. Uh, somehow even closer for us to cover is pretty right. fun. Yeah, but, so, well, um, but, you know, by a couple <laughs> miles. It's not like it's... <laughs> but it is. It, it, it is closer. It counts. Really so, no, it's, it's cool to see. And uh, obviously his career there was incredibly impressive, and it'll be a lot of fun to get to see some more of him at a collegiate level. Football players for North Coast State still plugging away at fall camp. Mm -hmm. um, other North Coast State sports gearing up volleyball. They held their first scrimmage back on Saturday, and this is a team that's going to have to replace some firepower for sure. Cyra Tanshin and Michelle Artis are out of there, but they do still have some familiar names for sure. Uh, Ali Hinzi, Alexis Bowling, uh, uh, Logan O'Brien had some games for him there. And then, of course, the setter, uh, Kelly Johnson, has been a steady force for that team. She's climbing up the assists rankings every single day. Um, but no, uh, this... Buys a volleyball team. They have uh, they're following up their first twenty win season in about a decade. Yeah, they they had a spectacular season last year, and to get to witness that was a lot of fun. They really had a big, big, big year, and witnessing just the way they could be able to get around these tough teams and go up against the South Dakotas and the big, big powers right. of this volleyball conference in the Summit League, which has some really, really big teams on even a national scale, and just uh, what they've been able to do and. It's unfortunate for us and the coverage of them being just so far away this season because their first series, the Idaho Volleyball Classic in Moscow, Idaho, which is right. the home of the Idaho Vandals and the greatest stadium in they're not, all of the they're world. They're not playing volleyball in the Kibbe Dome. They're it's still the greatest stadium <laughs> in the world, the Kibbe Dome. Don't get it wrong. Dayton tournament after that, which is um, in Ohio against right. Butler, Dayton, and then Ohio. And yeah. then they finally come home to the NDSU tournament, which that's up against Portland State and Toledo, and kind of then Portland State Toledo play that Saturday, so it's a Friday Saturday whole thing, and that's all the way in September eighth and ninth. And then and they then hit the road that, again. <laughs> they're out in West Virginia, so they're all the way out east. So that by the time they start conference play, their first conference game at home is against St. Thomas, September twenty eighth, that Thursday night. That's a good ways from now. That's a lot of traveling for them to do. A lot of traveling for us to be able to try to see him. So it's it's a really busy time for this team. It's got to really go quite literally all the way across the country back and forth. <laughs> well, one thing uh, I, I tend to ask about that uh, almost on an annually basis at this point, I talked to Coach uh, Jennifer Lopez about all the travel to start the year, all the different opponents mm -hmm. that they start every year against because they don't tend to play the same non-league teams. Uh, they, they tend to compete in these kind of tournaments uh, situations. And she says that that helps them. It kind of sets the tone for the start of the year. It gets them used to adversity early because they're going to have to go on long road trips. We're at North Dakota State. Um, and so they, they get kind of used to that and get going. And that's going to be more important this year as they look to 
uh, build chemistry with some important pieces uh, missing. I talked to Coach Lopez just last week about the progress that she's seen from those uh, players so far this season, and here's more from Coach Lopez. First and foremost, you know, getting the group back together, kind of yeah. how's it feel to just be back out here in full swing? You know, it feels like we were just talking about this as coaches. It feels like we never stopped. And we were fortunate to have some time with our returners um, end of May and end of June. And for us to kind of be back now, it feels like we never like kind of stopped with them, even though we did, which is kind of a fun, fun and neat experience to have. It feels like there's a little bit of turnover from you know last year's roster to this year's roster. How important are those returners going to be to your guys' uh, success this year? You know, I think with any program and regardless of sport, anytime you can have a lot of returners or those that have seen playtime and have that experience, I think is going to benefit you in a lot of ways. And I think we're seeing that even after practice number one, able to see some of that, which is exciting for us, but also makes us even more hungry for kind of what's next. I imagine you've kind of had in your mind who's going to be the leaders on this team going into the year. What have you seen from them throughout, you know, the quote unquote off season that you guys have been going? I think positionally and just experience, they put in a lot of work to get better, to hone in on their craft, but also make sure that they are taking care of kind of everything else that's going on within the team. And um, it's not always on them. I think our team does a really good job of finding that balance and everybody kind of has a role um, when it comes to that leadership and how they have that impact. And so it not having to rely on two people can be a really positive thing, um, but our team has a very good understanding of what that needs to look like in order to have some success. In a sport like volleyball, how important is that? How much of an X factor is that consistency going up and down the roster when you have any number of players that you can rely on as a coach? <laughs> it makes it tough on my end, but also like it, it shows what our kids have been doing and what they're trying to work for and knowing that um, whoever needs to kind of step in at any time is ready to go, I think is going to be a really positive thing for us. When I was looking at the roster for this year, you know, obviously uh, what stuck out to me was it seemed, you know, losing some firepower a little bit in Cyra Tanchin and Michelle Artis. How do you go about replacing that kind of offensive power as a coach? Yeah, we talked about it a lot. I mean, that's a lot of points we, on the offensive side, that we scored from those two. And so trying to replace how we're scoring points in a little bit different way, whether that's got to come from our, our server, our defense, are definitely areas that we're looking to improve and get better at and finding the balance along the front row and it not just be a, left pin or middle position where we're looking to score those points and how we get that out of the back row and right pin I think is a really big focus of ours this off or this preseason. Just talked to a couple of your seniors what's it been like seeing that class kind of come up to where they're at right now? <laughs> It's so cool to just see their like their evolution and God, they were just so young when they started and to see them now and not a care in the world and confident in who they are and to see them grow as women um, and kind of what's next in their lives too is it is fun to see. And now we get a whole new group of freshmen um, starting their path. And so it's always fun to see the process happen. It's a bit more special part of the game for you as a coach, right? The <laughs> off the court stuff, maybe as much as on it. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> Uh, lastly, who, uh, who, who do you think is somebody to particularly watch for uh, this year, you know, as you look to establish who your playmakers are? You mentioned it might be coming from up and down the roster. Kind of who should people be keeping an eye on this year? You know, I think for sure, you know, we, we've heard and seen a lot of Kelly, seen a lot of Allie, um, and those are going to be two key players for us. But I also think we're going to see a lot of things from our middles, um, whether that's Allie Barth, um, Alexis Bowling. Um, and being able to move those two around. I think some of our freshmen are going to see some, some time in there too, whether that's Ari or Lauren or Emma. Um, but I also 
some of our pins that have worked through these last couple of years with Morgan and Bailey and Alex and kind of fitting in within some of those roles, I think are going to add a lot of different pieces on any given day. And so it's kind of nice to be able to have <laughs> different choices, but also our team be able to use all of them. Again, the volleyball team starts the regular season on August 25th. That's this Friday. They're going to be on the road in the Idaho Volleyball Classic in Moscow, not playing in the Kibbe Dome. Shoot. I imagine there's a, a different volleyball uh, situation. They play there. a lot in the Kibbe Dome, though. <laughs> not, that, that would be tough to do volleyball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shifting gears now, uh, soccer team back in action. They actually had their first regular season games at the end of last week after a couple of exhibition games, uh, losing an exhibition in Minnesota and winning one against Manitoba. Uh, their first regular season game, they didn't lose, and that's, that's good. They fought to a draw with Boise State, a freshman scored her first ever collegiate goal there to kind of uh, uh, seal a last second draw for North Dakota State. I'm looking up the name right now. Uh, Tyrese Zacker scored her first collegiate goal to end up uh, forcing that draw. And then, Jack, you made the trip to Dakota Field on Sunday to check out their game against Montana. Yeah, Montana's a very uh, tricky team because they gave NDSU a whole heap of trouble last season. It ended up being a 3-0 final on that one out in Missoula. But NDSU did play a better game in this one despite struggling a little bit out the gate because it was only, and I, I think it was within the first four or five minutes that Montana opened up the scoring, already got one in, and then within a span of, I think it was about a minute 30 seconds, back at about the 10 to 15 minute mark, they then bagged in two more. Right. And so at that point, it's like, all right, you're 15, 20 minutes into the game. You're down 3-0. You have to find a way to crawl back. And while they didn't quite offensively, defensively, the team really was able to shape themselves up and play much better. And I get it's hard being down that much that early, but once they got that solidified, they were able to keep it clean throughout the rest of the half and throughout the entire second half, including – one of the most incredible goals that we better have up people's. I mean, it, this goal is nuts. I'll make sure it's it wasn't. Up there. It wasn't from the corner flag, but it was dang near close to it. <laughs> and this goal just, just getting over and up and in behind the net. And it actually fooled me a little bit when the goal went in because I first thought that someone must have deflected that because there were a bunch of NDSU players yep. in the box. And I was like, oh, there's no. And then I looked back at it and I was like, oh my goodness, she scored that. <laughs> It was it was unbelievable. It, it was just a, shoot the team wide as they yes. run. <laughs> and it was and it was fun to get that. It was it was good for the team to get one back against a, against a Grizzlies team that is a very hard team to beat. It, it is a tough team in this in a hard Big Sky conference. We're gonna shift gears. We're gonna go ahead and start talking about the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. Uh, the biggest thing for UND um, is always hockey. Um, and when the North Dakota hockey team names their captains, that's kind of a that, that that's arguably more of an honor than <laughs> just playing in the games themselves. And so uh, they named their newest set of captains, led by Reese Gaber, which is a very deserving pick. This guy I, is never yeah. far away from the net, which uh, I, I love. Uh, I love all the captains that we get to talk to, but when it's captains that we have plenty of highlights of already, that certainly yeah. helps. Talk about plenty of highlights. I mean, Reese Gaber had a, I want, it was, it was neither near breaker breaking or record breaking season and what he was able to do, at least getting, getting the goals that he was able to get and performing at the level that he did. And now you have a season where, I mean, just looking at their schedule, we, we've talked about this a bunch leading into the preseason. And I get, we're way preseason right, for, for right, hockey. We're right. still at least 
what two months away really i mean i guess a little less than two months away now but um uh against these these big teams they have coming up which i am absolutely thrilled for i know you're probably more excited than i am just to get uh well it's a cooler weather too for you (laughs) yeah yeah i'm alaska and i miss the i miss the alaska speaking of which they play alaska at some point yeah but they have i mean an unbelievable schedule army wisconsin uh two against minnesota at home which is good to get off the ocean down there at, uh, at mariucci and then you have uh, Minnesota State men. Cato, you have at Boston, which is one of the tougher teams out east. They routinely just make an historic forward. hockey oh, power yeah. out there too. And then and then you start your NCHC play. Of course, you always have your Thanksgiving time of Midgie State games. Yep, that's yep. just tradition. Always fun. <laughs> and um, then the Alaska games you mentioned. So just a Starting lot of tough games. Starting the year games. against the Nanooks. Obviously, the NCHC is always an incredible, difficult, incredibly difficult conference to play in. And just to, to have this specific group of captains in, I mean, they had great job last year with what they were able to do. And, and But, of course, we talked about a lot last season how the expectations of the team last year were, you could safely say, about as high as they could have been. I mean, oh, yeah. it was, yep. They had an unbelievable certainly, amount of Certainly internally. Here in the sports yes. office, that's – Yes, yeah, there, yeah, there yeah, were high sure. expectations, and, and it was um, – I, I don't want to say disappointing, but it was it was not performing to the level of what UND can do. Right. And to yeah. Especially see them, coming off of a couple region runs. A- absolutely. That, yeah. And to see them sort of come back into the season with a lot of those same guys, a guy like Reese Gaber who was just such a massive piece of the offense, what Jackson Blake can do oh, in yeah. his second yeah. season, just from what an incredible run he had as just a true freshman last season. And just – what these guys can all put together. And the transfers. They got some great transfers in. A couple from Michigan, I think, that yep. made a good run in the Big Ten tournament. Well, they and needed to bring in a bunch of transfers because they lost all of their defensemen, uh, either Which by hurts. graduation <laughs> or the portal. So they had to replace their entire yeah. uh, blue line crew. But, no, you mentioned uh, what Gabriel was able to do offensively. He he was the offense for most mo- much of last year. He led the team with 20 goals, 17 assists, 37 points on the year. It's unbelievable. Uh, he was a Hobie Baker Award uh, nominee, second consecutive season doing that, which mm-hmm. feels rare. Uh, it doesn't feel like you tend to get nominated that many times without uh, winning it. And he was an assistant captain last year. Now he's going to be wearing the C on his jersey following the footsteps of Mark Senden. So um, mm-hmm. alternate captains, Carson Albrecht, Louis Jammernick the fifth. Uh, Keaton Pearson, that's one of those new defensemen that we were talking about, and junior forward Jake Schmalz. So those are uh, going to be wearing the A on their jerseys this year. Uh, Reese Gaber, of course, is going to be the team captain. Uh, UND football, their media day starts on Thursday, and so we're sending you up to that. We're, we talked a little bit last week about what we can expect to hear from that, but I know you're excited to talk to Quincy Vaughn about his uh, position changes. And Absolutely. Yeah, we got some fun stuff on the horizon. Yeah, him going over to the tight end position is uh, safe to say not a super expected move because we were looking at the quarterback list preseason, and we were like, that's weird. What happened to Quincy? I was like, huh, there's five <laughs> quarterbacks, and none of them are Quincy Vaughn. Yeah, it was very strange. And so we looked up, and we saw, oh, my goodness, tight end. And so um, and then I, I we had talked about last week, as well as just with you, Devin, in the office, too, about uh, watching him doing some tight end drills. And there wasn't a crazy amount from at that that I, that I got or saw, but it was just seeing him be able to sort of adjust to this new role and be in a different position. I wouldn't be shocked if they still used him plenty in goal line situations or in those sort of tight areas that we have seen him before do. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, especially for being excited to go up and watch and what kind of offense they try to put together in that game one that I will be at which will be that northern Arizona game so uh, getting to witness that will be uh, will be a lot of fun but no getting getting to hear more on his perspective will be interesting uh, his relationship with uh, Tommy Schuster under center has been uh, nothing short of really special they have a great bond together and to now get to see that from instead of a quarterback quarterback perspective to quarterback 
and a receiving option is is I think very interesting. Well, I, the, 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 at least the connection gets to still be used and weaponized yeah. there. So. And that's what's important. They need to have that same. Um, all right, it's time to shine the spotlight on our favorite story from last week. Um, this week we're going back to the high school football level with uh, one that was really fun for me to see you put together, and I imagine fun to put together. <laughs> uh, and how great timing do we have with this story? Days Warped before out. they opened the season with a dominant win, you went and talked to Fargo North, and more specifically, Peter Hauga. It's been an especially long off-season for the Fargo North Spartans, one that comes right after falling in the Dakota Bowl just under nine months ago. Oh yeah, that's a bomb. But the attitude at fall camp is loose, ready, and amped up for the start of the season this week. We all kind of came together and were like, this is going to be, this is the time to flip the strips on North and just make us good at football again or any sport. And we all came together, believed in each other, and hopefully we can get it done this year. You just heard from one of the main senior anchors on the Spartan ship. That's Peter Haugo, the ultimate Ironman athlete, starring at linebacker and running back. And he'll pursue his football career at NDSU next open. season. He's wide open. There we go. Good spot. Hey, there we go. I have a lot of faith in him, and I know if... You know, we're not doing too good. I know I can count on him to, like, bring us up and get us going again. And just, he's a great guy. I've known him forever. And it's just, he's a great person to be around. Touchdown, Jim. Run. There we go. He leads by example, but he also leads off the field. I mean, he's just a great kid to be around. And not just these guys. <laughs> but over a third of the varsity roster are seniors, over 30 players total. And they're looking for Fargo North's first state title since 2000. Oh, go. It'd be great. Um, just obviously, just being a leader of the team and leaving a mark behind for the little kids, and just having the fans believe in the North Side again would feel amazing. Get out there! Get out! North's first opponent of the season comes up against the Horace Hawks, who went winless last season. Hawks on me! Hawks on three! One, two, three! Hawks! But also graduated no seniors. Nobody can be overlooked. Everyone needs to have, we got to give every single team the same amount of respect that we give anybody else. Um, they're going to come out hard, they're going to come out flying, and, and, and we got to be ready and be able to put in a full game. With the Spartans, Jack Wallace, Valley News Live Sports. Thanks to Fargo North for letting Jack crash his practice there. Jack, that looked like a ton of fun. It was a nice time being out there and just sort of getting to dive into it more. It's always fun going to these practices, whether it's college or high school, and just getting to talk to the guys and sort of see how they talk to their own peers, their own teammates, their own coaches, and sort of how the coaches talk back to them. You know, I've, I've, I've as I've seen, mic'd up coaches, mic'd up players, had different perspectives on these kind of things and across different teams, different levels. And getting to see that, I think, is, is really beneficial because it just gets an extra view into what it's like for them to train to be able to get to the level that we see. And, you know, we – on a, on a very different level, but right. we saw that with, I mean, if, if anyone's watched, like, the, the quarterback special on, mm -hmm. on Netflix and just, like, how – not saying my stuff is the same <laughs> as that, but, but, the, but the general perspective of, like, getting to witness what these guys do in their off time or in their practice time and their training time and just how they're able to get themselves ready to go to be these stars or big players or to make these big moments that we all see and love. And it's, it's neat to see that even on an obviously different scale – on a high school level, but uh, but getting to witness that for a guy like Peter Haugu, who already has his stuff ready to go to college, off right. to NDSU yep. next season, and and uh, get to talk about that with him too was pretty neat. Just being like, so now you're off to the Bison, and he was just uh, telling me how thrilled he was to be able to be close to home, have his family close to home, and uh, be able to have them go to how many games there are because it's it's all the more special. And of course, 
you would understand that a lot more than I would, being a player at a high school level and a college level, something that I only did in middle school. So I, <laughs> my parents did come to those games, but I was well, that's good. I was but a wee child. Um, all right, coming up this week, uh, we're going to wrap things up here on the podcast front. UND Football Media Day coming up. Uh, Jack's going up there on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Thursday, Jack is then <laughs> taking a trip to Valley City yes. for the Paint Bucket game. He's going to be live out there, so stay tuned for that one as well. Uh, long day. Long day. Long day. But fun content, and that's what really matters. <laughs> um, the FM Redhawks starting to hit the home stretch of their season. They're half a game behind Lincoln for that fourth spot in the West. It's all, only four teams make it. So uh, it's, it's all going to come down to this last stretch of games. So stay tuned to Valley News Live as we follow that. And then on Friday, Friday Night Live's getting cranked up a little bit. Uh, last week, we were able to do plenty. We, we got a ton of fun stuff covered and some great games. This week, we're going above and beyond. We're, our AAA teams are in action, so we're going to be out there. we got Bismarck at Shanley, Mandan at Davies, and then our friends out west at K-Fire TV are going to help us out with West Fargo at Century Highlights, Cheyenne at Legacy Highlights. Um, Jack, you're going to be making another trip to Fargo North, Grand Fork Central at Fargo North, and then you're going to make a quick trip to South as well, Williston at Fargo yeah. South. And then the plan is to get Kindred at Cavalier. Uh, as Cavalier continues their first 11-man season and Kindred looks to keep up the momentum that they gained last week. We're going to try to get all of those games seven. It's a fun matchup, really. And and the funny thing about North is that despite me doing this package on them, watching them in the state championship game, Mm -hmm. and then helping you set up for your live shot a year ago with Fargo North, that I remember all that, I have yet to actually witness Fargo North play a game <laughs> at Spartan Stadium. Well, it's kind of funny, but like I've, I've sort of have seen them in every way I can except for that. Well, now, so, um, now you get to see them play Grand Fork Central. Which I'm excited about. They're <laughs> both undefeated. So exactly. You know, see, battle, someone's got to go down. Battle so. of our 1-0 and AA teams. <laughs> no, it's going to be an exciting week for Friday Night Live and an exciting week of content, as always, here on Valley News Live. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned here. Thank you for joining us for our second edition of the Overtime Podcast. We'll see you on TV.